Hey, what is up, wrestling friends and family? It is me, JB, and the best Chris in all of wrestling podcasts, Mr. Chris Dredd. And holy shit, we have a guest for you. Chris, do the thing. We have got former bodybuilder, former professional wrestler, and now he's running the PCA USA all over the world, all over the gap. He is the British Storm, Ian Harrison. Thanks for joining us, Ian. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. With um, I was looking up a few bits and they 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 called you. It, you were like, what what was it they were calling you in the nineties? You had like a sort of nickname in bodybuilding or in wrestling. In bodybuilding, yeah. Uh, it, my my nick, believe it or not, my nickname was Ian the Hitman Harrison, but I couldn't use that in wrestling because I'd already been taken by Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, it, I, I I I started bodybuilding at a very young age. Um, I started at fifteen. Uh, I actually started started off in judo. My father taught judo, so I did judo from being six to thirteen. Started bodybuilding at fifteen. Um, won a lot of local shows. Went on to win the Junior Mr. Britain and Junior Mr. Universe when I was 19. And then I was the youngest guy ever to turn professional uh, out of England. I, I turned pro at 20 the year after a guy called Dorian Yates had turned pro. So I, I kind of switched federations from NABBA to EFBB. And then I competed as a professional bodybuilder from 93 to 1998. And then uh, I got pissed off with the politics, retired from bodybuilding um, and started pro wrestling because I... I, I had a lot of guys around me that were pro wrestlers. And, you know, I finished this bodybuilding career. I competed in the Mr. Olympia. I was ranked top 10 in the world in bodybuilding. I finished my bodybuilding career at 28. And I'm like, what the fuck do I do now? I look like this. What am I going to do with this? There's no, there's no, there's no job that requires this. <laughs> so because of my judo background, knowing how to take a bump, basically, and, um, and looking like I did, I got talked into pro wrestling. So I thought, I'll give it a shot, see how it goes. And um, I just started on the, on the amateur circuit in the UK, in Wales. We used to do what, Tours of Ireland with a guy called Oric Williams. And uh, yeah, met a lot of great guys. And then when I moved, I emigrated to America in 2001. Um, and I continued my wrestling career over here. And, and I, I know Fit Finley really well. And I know Regal. And I know, I know, I know a lot of the, the old, old school English guys. So Fit Finley actually got me uh, to do a dark match in the Staples Center in LA. That'll probably be in 2002. I I did a couple of dark matches. Uh, did a cup promos against Brock Lesnar and met all the guys backstage at the Staples Center. John Cena. Um, he came up to me and was very complimentary, which I'll, I'll tell you about in a bit. But um, yeah, then then a, a company called XWF started out in Tampa, where I am now. And there was um, Jimmy Hart was in it, and um, who I still keep in touch with, Greg Valentine, the Road Warriors, um, who I got very close with, um, Kurt Hennig, who I was actually I was supposed to main event with Kurt the night before uh, the, the day the day after that he passed, he actually passed away in Tampa the night before I was supposed to wrestle him. Wow. So yeah, I, I travelled with all those guys to Green Bay and Amarillo, Texas, and I've got some. I've got some stories for you, that's for sure. Because you wrestled in Memphis, right, for a little while as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I wrestled there. Um, I've forgotten, oh, I've forgotten the guy's name that ran that. But that was basically, um, yeah, that that was that that was a really old school uh, thing. That was the Memphis wrestling. I went there with Jimmy Hart, and I actually wrestled with a guy called Del Rios, and we were a tag team, shocking our 
Right. He was like a body, but he was like a bodybuilder too. So it was it was a weird place, the Memphis one. It was a very low ceiling, like TV. It was TV tapings, right? Um, so yeah, I, I got I kind of got thrown in at the deep end, if I'm being honest with you, from a from a, a kind of a, a bodybuilder that never spoke to being a, a wrestler in 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 England, going around Wales and Ireland, getting fuck all really, money wise. But it was interesting. I met a lot of very interesting guys. And when I was in England, I wrestled as Mr. USA because I had the physique, but I couldn't really talk with an American accent because I had, I'm a Yorkshireman. <laughs> you know, like, it was, no, nobody would believe me. So uh, <laughs> when I moved over here, uh, Jimmy Hart was my manager and he decided that they should come with the British Storm. So that's why I wrestled as the British Storm. It would be so, rude not to ask, did they ever contact you about the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation? No, that was a little bit before my time in bodybuilding. That was probably about two years before I actually came in as a pro. Um, so I turned pro the year after Dorian Yates. I got my pro card in 1989, and I didn't compete as a pro until 1993. And I believe the WBF came in 91 <laughs> or 92. So I just missed out on that. Um, but a lot of the guys that did it, I knew them very well. I mean, like uh, Eddie Robinson, I know him personally. He lives not far from me. Uh, Mike Quinn, who just passed away, was one of my closest friends. Uh, so I, I knew those guys. Gary Strider, Barry DeMay. I was I was very familiar with all those guys. I was going to say, mate, I, I, I'll hold up the vest because you definitely don't want to see me wearing it. I am in peak <laughs> physical condition, but I can't fill out a vest like you could, mate. So... You know, it's I'll leave that there um, for the time being. <laughs> so, what 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 is um, what's your guys' recollection of those that era? How old are you two? Uh, I'm 41, and Jordan's a bit younger than me. I'm I'm 36, right? So so, a little yeah. bit younger, yeah. But that, 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 that's a different era in uh, in in wrestling, even I guess. It's a, I don't even I don't really watch much wrestling now, but I don't watch much bodybuilding either. If I'm being honest with you. I run bodybuilding shows, but uh, I, I, I really enjoyed my wrestling career. It was a fun time. I met some real characters. I mean, some, I, I sent you a couple of pictures, I think. Yeah, we'll um, put them up because, um, you know, so grow, growing up, though, so you're born in Leeds? Yeah, Pudsey, actually. All Pudsey, right. Right in between. You know, you know Pudsey Bear? Right. The children in Leeds thing. That, that's yeah. my hometown, Pudsey. <laughs> so, um, right between Leeds and Bradford. Okay. Um. So back in them days, so you, you would have watched the world of sport, did you, when you were growing up at all? Or did you Absolutely, watch I did, yeah, Big Daddy. And uh, it's a funny thing is because I used to watch that and I used to see Danny Collins, who I got to, I, I know very well personally. Right. Uh, Drew McDonald is the guy that really got me into wrestling. Origi originally was Drew McDonald. Right. Um, and yeah, I watched all them, Tony St. Clair. Um, I watched them all as a kid and then I ended up wrestling with them all when I, when I started wrestling, which was quite... It was unique. It was it was very interesting because the only I watched World of Sport, so I knew all those guys. Um, and then I watched the only I watched the WrestleMania, the, the the big WrestleMania. I remember watching that as a kid and seeing British Bulldogs and thinking, "No, oh, that's badass. That mm. is just that." I loved it. And then I actually got to meet Tommy Billington um, wow. before he passed. I went and met him over in Wigan in a wheelchair, and he was fuck me. He was a character too. It was a uh, an incredible an incredible character, uh, but I met a lot of people. I met a, a lot of people in the UK scene, um, and you know back then they did a lot of uh, mimicking the, the 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 big stars. So you'd have like 
two guys that I do the Road Warriors, Johnny South and Boston Black. He used to do the Road Warriors. And then I went over and I met the real Road Warriors and I got to be really good friends with them. Like Mike Hegstrand, uh, Hawk, was one of my closest friends. Wow. Um, when I first moved to the US, I didn't have a pot to piss in. Um, I had two kids, which we, we, we started off in California, but there was no, there was one a lot of wrestling opportunities in California for me. Um, I, I got, I, I did a dark match for WWE. Um, Fit Finley called me up because they were at the Staples Center. He said, Come on, what are you doing today? I said, Nothing. He said, Come up, I've got you a dark match. So I went up there, I did a dark match. Um, but the, the, the amateur scene wasn't that big in California. I, I did go to a gym local to where I was living in um, Huntington Beach, and I, I was wrestling with a guy that actually ended up being quite a big name, Samoa Joe. Um, oh, wow. I wrestled with Samoa Joe an awful lot. Um, great guy, yeah, absolutely great guy. I, 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 it's funny because you wrestle with them just just to practice wrestling, really, and working on your on your gimmick and everything, and and then you see that they've done so well, and it's great. You know what I mean? Like when I did the XWF, I'd wrestle in Puerto Rico, very regular, as regular as I used to wrestle in Ireland when I was in England, when I was in England and working for Eric Williams. When yeah. I went to America with XWF, we'd go to Puerto Rico like every month at least. And I was always the main heel. And I was always against Carlito Colon, Carlos Colon's son. Uh, and then Carlito ended up doing really well in WWE. He used to come out with an apple, didn't he? And a big apple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, literally, yeah, literally but, just returned this Saturday, this Saturday night. Oh, returned. really? Yeah. Wow, yeah. Came yeah. back, yeah. I, I know him really, really well. I, nearly all my matches were with him. So if you actually look on YouTube, you'll see a load of matches with me and him. Um, and, and yeah, I was I was the main heel. And uh, I kind of learned the whole heel thing from Drew McDonald. Um, I, I, I watched him, how he, how he got the crowd going. I mean, the easiest way to be a heel um, was you walk out and insult the kids. <laughs> first thing you do I used to walk out and say you know I've never been to real before I've, I've never seen so many ugly kids in my entire life instantly <laughs> you're a heel and it, it, it works every time so yeah it was fun times man fun times travelling a lot and, and meeting some real interesting people that's crazy because the, the guys that you've worked with were like you said you were chucked in at the deep end I mean you oh, were yes. wrestling you know, these guys in XWF, we're talking about, you know, the, the best of the business. The people that were in that company were, at one time, the pinnacle of, of wrestling. And then, you know, yeah. it, it's crazy. I mean, it, but Samoa Joe and Carlito as well are huge in the business now. I mean, Samoa Joe's in AEW. He was in WWE for a long time. Carl, yeah. Carl, you know, he's just come back Carlito this weekend. Um, You know, it, it's great. and And we... You know, we came across you because we obviously we reviewed this, the the lost episodes of the XWF. Right. So, how many years sort of what was that a thing for, Ian? Was it what were we talking like three years, four years, or was yeah, it we're, we're about three years total? Um, they started it and they brought they, they threw a lot of money at it. I mean, there was some. Uh, Roddy Piper was one of my main coaches, so I travelled with Roddy. Uh, Road Warriors, Hulk Hogan was in it. I remember the very first taping we did at Universal Studios in Orlando. And I went over there and there were loads of guys. I mean, it was were, it were like a who's who of wrestling. You know, um, Jimmy Snooker and his son, um, Horace Hogan. And my first match was with Horace Hogan in the in, in UF. Right. And um, I, I remember backstage, uh, Jimmy Hart was there. 
Hulk Hogan walked up to me and drew a dollar sign on my chest and said, I see dollars all over you, brother. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I'm going to hit the big time. It never really happened for me. But I'll be honest with you, the reason I quit wrestling was, um, I think I mentioned about Kurt Hennig. Um, like I was very good friends with Hawk, and he passed away, and it devastated me. And then Kurt passed away, actually, before Hawk. Um, he over Kurt overdosed the night before a match. I was supposed to main event with Kurt Hennig at the Tampa Fairgrounds with one of Jimmy Hart's promotions. And um, I walked in the locker room, and all the boys were in the locker room with their head down. I'm like, what's going on? I said, oh, Kurt passed away. So I had to do it. I had to improvise with who, who I was going to be on with the main event. But in one year, I went to nine funerals um, of different people that I'd come, I, I wrestled with or traveled with. And I, I, I remember the, the very last person that died was Hawk. And he was very, very close to me and my family. He was very good to, to me, very good to me. I loved him like a brother, if I'm being honest with you. Um, and when I went to his funeral, uh, Hulk Hogan sat right in front of me at the, at the crematorium. Can't do this anymore. I, I went from a, a world of bodybuilding, which was crazy. You know, bodybuilders die on a regular basis yeah. to world of wrestling that I knew was entertainment. But then all these people died in that. And I'm like, all right, I'm done. Time out. I'm done. I've got a family and I, I, I want to live. So I decided just to walk away. But yeah, it's, it was, um, I've met, I've met a lot of people. I mean, Roddy Piper obviously passed away. And I, I used to go to, um, a, a wrestling camp called Steve Kearns Wrestling School in Tampa. And um, I wrestled with Roddy Piper every day there. And he took it. We kind of got on really well. I don't know why, but I, there was a mutual respect between me and a lot of the older wrestlers. And when if you were a younger, new wrestler coming in, they'd school you. They won't accept you straight away. They'd old man you. Um, but for some reason, because I don't know if it's because of my personality or because of my bodybuilding career, but I, I, I got on with all these guys and we had mutual respect for each other. And the, the really, I was very eager to, everything I do, I tried to be the best at what I did. You know, I always wanted to be the best. And um, I, I, I was very intent on trying to learn the business. Um, the thing is, there's a certain talent with wrestling. Um, Fit Finley had it. I remember I wrestled in Hanover with Tony Sinclair, Fit Finley, and um, uh, a guy called Ulf Larson, whose dad was a, a diamond dealer in Hanover. Um, and I've got get Danny Collins was there, another guy from World of Sport days. Um, I'm really close with all those guys. But I remember watching. We, we all stood up at the in the wings watching Fit Finley's match, and he came out and didn't even do anything. He just he'd look a certain way and you get the crowd going and and Roddy Piper had that same ability and Kurt Hennig was an incredible worker just mm. incredible and when I saw those guys I'm like you know what I can do all the moves and I can put up I put across a gimmick but I don't have that x factor that those guys have it was a certain thing that they had that honestly a lot of the other wrestlers didn't have you know but that that like uh, just I've got nothing but respect for the business, if I'm being honest with you, because I, I know what's I know what it is, and it's not just about doing a suplex or taking a bump. It's not just about that. It's, it's not just about cutting a promo. It's it's body language, and you tell a story without saying a word. And um, I, I guess I overthunk that. And for some people, it was just very natural. And uh, I, like I said, I've got nothing but respect for the guys that do it because it's the ultimate ad lib. You would have had like ad lib comedy, 
Yeah. Well, wrestling is the ultimate in ad lib because yeah, you, you know, you, yeah, you do have a plan and you, and you 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 have spots that you you talk about and but the bottom line is, um, you've got to be able to turn on a dime to be able to really perform well and put across a good match and tell a story because that's what you know. I always got told by the the older guys in the business that would try to teach me. It's cowboys and Indians. It's good, good versus evil. That's what that's what wrestling is, you know. And you, and you have to tell a story. And uh, like I said, I had the look. I could all do what the physicality. I had it. I could take the bumps like an idiot. They, they didn't want me to take big bumps because I was a big man. I was like three hundred pound. We know yeah. twenty odd stone. And uh, but I, stupid me, I want to get on the top turnbuckle and do a flying headbutt and you know take a bump off. I mean, there's a. There's actually a promo video on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and click on Ian Harrison Wrestler, there's a promo video. And when you click on it at first, you won't see anything. But about 40 seconds in, it comes up with all fire. And it's all clips. It's the promo video that I sent to Vince McMahon and all those people to get jobs. Right. And it, it's, it's got about four minutes of clips from my wrestling career. Then it's got some Sega commercials that I did when I was in my 20s. going to ask you about that. I was going to ask yeah. you about the Sega commercial, yeah. And, and then it's got my bodybuilding at the very end. But if you if you click on that video, you, you'll see a load of matches I had with different people. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about the Sega commercial because, like I say, we obviously, you know, we do our research and we, we look up about, um, you know, guys that, we, that we're going to have on the show. And um, it did say in, in your... Um, in your career that you you'd done a a Sega commercial, it was um it was something we're not trying to remember sort of if I'd if I remember the sort of the commercial, but I I don't really remember it to be honest. But how how if, did that come about? Well, I uh, the, the, through the bodybuilding mode really. There was a woman bodybuilder from uh, Manchester called Colin Yates, and she. Spoke to a, a guy called, uh, I can't remember his last name, but he, he had a, um, a talent agency um, for, and he sent people to do like commercials and stuff. So I, they, they were looking for a bodybuilder um, to play this character. So I went down for a, um, an audition in London, which was completely out of my comfort zone. <laughs> anyway, they, 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 they wanted me for it. So I went to, did, did the audition and then I... <laughs> I had to know how to uh, ride a motorbike because it was on a big Harley Davidson that blew up at the end of it. Right. It was actually four commercials, and it was it was a big commercial in France. In fact, funnily enough, last year I got contacted by this one guy in France because I'm in a lot of books, and they've been looking for me for years because apparently the character I played on the same commercial is like iconic, and um, all the retro gaming is coming back in. So they wanted to fly me to Paris to do an exhibition um, at this gaming convention. Um, but I, I was too busy with my PCA, I couldn't go. But yeah, they, they, they asked me to do it, and I got I got a lot of money for that, man. I got like 30 grand for doing that. you 20 year old, that's a lot of money. You know, yeah, that's... I, I settled my first gym with that money, and um, it was pretty cool because I was down at Shepherd Studios. And every time I went to, to lunch, Dudley Moore was there because he was doing a film in the same thing. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was interesting, man. Very, very interesting. Um, I've been lucky, really. You know, I mean, I never got the big, big break to be a multi-millionaire, but I, I've been very lucky with the people I've met and the things I've done. I've had, a, I've had an interesting run. Uh, when I did the dark match, 
in um, at the Staples Center in LA when I first moved to, to America. Um, I mean, that was like a who's who. The Rock was wrestling at that event. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker. William Regal kind of took me under his wing because he knew all the guys I knew from England. And um, I watched, there was a chiropractor massaging people's necks and adjusting your neck. And there was there was people like taping your ankles up and stuff before the match. And we never had that. We just did it ourselves, you know? So it was, yeah. it was like, man, I've hit the big league. And we're all stood watching the monitor. And I get a tap on my shoulder and it's John Cena. And uh, John Cena's like, he went, Ian Harrison, it's a pleasure to meet you. Apparently he had my poster on his wall as a kid um, because, because he was into bodybuilding. He worked at Gold's Gym. And wow. I actually met his brother, Matt Cena, actually came down to train with me at my gym here in Bradenton. And then I, I was his brother. I trained him about three or four times. And eventually he came down with a WWE T-shirt on. And he says, uh, he mentioned Summer. And, I, and I'm like, oh, you, you, you know, you, you know, John Cena. He's, he's like, yeah, I'm his brother. He says, yeah, he told me to say hello to you. And then he, he told me that they used to have a portion of me in their bedroom as kids. So it was quite complimentary. You know what I mean? It made me feel good. Wow. That's, it's incredible. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Going going That's back cool. to your going back to your training, I I'm almost certain I'd I'd have a fiver on it with anyone that the reason that the veterans didn't mess with you is because you look like you broke bricks with your hands. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was a big I was a big boy then. Yeah, I was I was big. I mean, uh, like I say, I was about two. I, I, I used to compete in bodybuilding at about two eighty. And when I went to wrestling, obviously, I didn't have to be as lean, uh, but I carried on training hard because um, I wanted to look good for the, for, you know, for the for the wrestling. They used to call me a flash. You know, you, you know I, I had the flash because I had the physique, so I could get away with a lot. And I, and I instantly got accepted into the, into the promotion because normally you would have to work your way into that promotion, wrestle for free and do a lot of jobs. And they yeah. brought me in right, right at the top, really. And and I, I, I was very lucky to work with some really good workers. Um, there's a wrestlers reunion in Leeds every year, and I, I wish I could go because there's so many guys there that I know. Frank, I don't know if you know these names: Frankie Sloan, Boston Blackwell. They're all right. guys. That, um, Skull Murphy. I mean, they're, they're all guys that I wrestle with um, all over the country, and they kind of taught me the business. And then when I came to America. To my surprise, I was way ahead of the other guys that were just coming in. Um, even though I'd only been wrestling a couple of years, the other guys that I've been wrestling a couple of years, because I'd been taught by the English guys, right? Um, I, I was way ahead. I, I had a lot more knowledge. In fact, another thing I told you, I used, I was very good friends with Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor, um, his, his nephew, Sean, I used to amateur wrestle with Sean because I, I did judo as a kid, so... I did a lot of amateur wrestling when I quit my, uh, my my bodybuilding just to give me a better understanding because back in those days, if you were traveling and wrestling, if you couldn't look after yourself, they'd shoot on you and fuck you up. Yeah. I mean, they really, really would. So I used to do a lot of amateur wrestling and shoot fighting along with my old judo training. And that, that got me a lot of respect with, with the older guys, you know, because I could do it and not many people could do much with me because I was strong as well, but I, I knew... I knew a decent amount of, of um, real wrestling, you know, shoot fighting. Um, yeah, I, I was I was lucky. I got I got like I did get thrown in the deep end, but I was very lucky with the people I met. And then as my career progressed, um, I was even luckier with the people I met. I just I gave myself a time limit because I knew with the wrestling business 
you either they either liked when you got a push or they didn't and you weren't and you were just going to be jobbing for the rest of your life. Mm. So I gave myself a three-year time frame and I said, if I don't make it in three years, because my wife hated me doing it. She would never come and watch me. She was terrified. Because you get hurt. I mean, you do get hurt. I mean, yeah. people think, oh, it's all fake. Well, you can't defy gravity. If somebody drops you on your head and you weigh 300 pounds, it's not going to do you any good. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I gave myself a time frame and... and I didn't really quit because of that time frame. I quit because I went to so many funerals and I lost so many friends. So I decided to walk away from it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've I've been I've been very very lucky with with who I met and you know I travelled a lot with Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and I remember sitting on um, Nasty Boys, Knobs and Sags. Very good friends with them. Um, yeah, very good friends with them. They used to rip the hell out of me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I've been, I've, I have been lucky. Someone, someone else we spoke to um, from like the really early nineties of the WWF said that the Nasty Boys weren't that very, weren't very nice to him. So, I mean, he he doesn't have the best recollection of them. I'm guessing you have a better one than they had, than he did. I have a great relationship with him because I wouldn't stand for the bullshit. Sags, who was the tougher of the two, who was the the real Sags can really go. Um, he's the one who smashed Ken Shamrock's face in with a telephone because he came in to try and beat up knobs one one day when they were wrestling. Um, Sags, I, I always had a really good relationship with Sags. We had mutual respect for each other. Knobs was a fucking lunatic. An absolute lunatic. I actually went to um, the Bahamas to wrestle with Knobs and Sags. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story about that. was uh, Mike Graham. You know who Mike Graham is? Yeah. 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 Mike, Mike Graham got me that job. And I went with Steve Kern, Mike Graham, Nasty Boys, uh, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan was there. And the it was right opposite. There's a big fancy hotel right on the... Uh, Dock, I think it's called the Atlantis or something. Or, I mean, it's a really fancy place. And right opposite, there's like a, a it's, called, it's like a Coliseum, it's like an auditorium, but it has no roof at all. The changing room has no roof, the nothing has any roof. So we wrestled in this place in the Bahamas and we're all getting changed and there's just some beating down on you. And we, I can't even remember who I wrestled, but afterwards, um, the, the promoter's son um, was a local, obviously. And we, we ended up on the back of this truck driving through the streets in the middle of the night. And they pulled up in this street. I don't even know if I should tell you this. They pulled <laughs> up in this street. And uh, these guys just came out of it from everywhere. There was like 50 guys came out from nowhere, you know, with all sorts of paraphernalia. Um, then we went to this little, um, it, was like, it looked like a row of shops with a steel staircase and a, like, almost like bars on it. We go upstairs, we walk into the, it looked like a cafe. And we sat in this cafe, didn't think anything of it. Next thing we go into this small room and it's a room, it's not very big. It's probably like two, a double garage kind of size with a pool table on it. And the pool table's got wood over the top of it and it's a strip club. And there's all, it's, but they're, they're like, we were the only two white, three white guys in there. Everybody else was white and there were big dudes. And um, they were doing all sorts of shit. I mean, they were all out of the mind. And uh, me and Sag sat there with our back to the wall. We're like, fucking hell. Like, you know, just, th th those are the kind of situations I ended up in because I went out with these. And, and Nobs was just loud and obnoxious like he always is. Um, but no, I, 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 I made a lot of really good friends. I could probably call any of those guys up right now. I haven't spoken to them in a few years because I kind of don't mix in those circles anymore. But 
yeah, some very interesting people. I remember being backstage in Green Bay. Um, Kurt Hennig walked up to me and he said, uh, you want some vitamins? And he had a he had a bottle of, it's, it used to be called A to Z. But yeah, like, I used to <laughs> and he emptied them out into my hand. I'm like, what are them? He said, well, that's Vicodin, that's Soma, that's it. And it was just all, no, no wonder they were dying. Yeah. You know? and, and I was kind of fresh from my bodybuilding and, and I had kids and I just, I didn't want to do it. So I, I never did it. Yeah. I never did the pain pills and stuff. I, ne- I never really got into that. So luckily for me, luckily for me, but it's, you- a, it's a tough life. Wrestling's a tough life, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you have any sort of major injuries in, in wrestling? Did you sort of do yourself in in any way, sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I messed myself up a little bit. I remember in um, in Ireland, uh, I, we, they used to show me how to go out over the top row. And uh, when you first do it, you, you obviously do it wrong sometimes. And uh, I landed on my heel and I messed up my, my, my ankle on my left leg. And then I got... Um, you can actually see this one on video and on the YouTube video with Carlito Colon. He uh, he did a pile driver on me and he couldn't hold me, uh, so I jacked up my neck pretty bad. Uh, thought I was gonna have to have surgery on it, but I got away without surgery. Um, I'd already had major knee surgery on both knees when I was seventeen from my bodybuilding days, so that kind of held me back a little bit. In fact, I think that's why I didn't get the push because I came in right about the same time as Brock Lesnar. And um, I had to cut a promo on Brock Lesnar when I did my dark match in LA in 2001 or 2002. Um, but Brock Lesnar was about 10 years younger than me. Um, yeah. We had very similar gimmicks. And obviously, he's Brock Lesnar. I mean, look at what he did since then. He was an incredible athlete and a, and a hell of a talent. But that's kind of what stopped me from progressing is because me and Brock Lesnar kind of came in at the time. Very similar gimmicks and very... I mean, you worked in TNA as well, did you? For a little bit, you done a couple of bits there. I did one. I did one match for TNA. I like cut a promo with Ken Shamrock backstage, and worked with these two uh, like redneck type characters. Um, and it, it was it was all right. I won't I won't thrilled with TNA if I'm being honest with you. Okay. Uh, they actually offered me a contract, um, more or less at the end of my career. They offered me a, a three or four year contract. And I, de- I decided to be loyal to XWF and then XWF folded. So I should have probably taken that contract. But yeah. If ifs and buts were pots and buts, the world would be full of tinkers. That's right. right. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of other English lads that worked for TNA for a while. So Doug Williams, um, Nigel. Oh, I know Doug. I know Doug. Yeah. I wrestled with I wrestled with Doug when I first started in Blackpool. That's what well, I, that's why I'm asking because oh, I thought you yeah. might have known and uh, Nigel McGuinness. I don't know if you knew Nigel. Don't know that. Don't know that name. But I know Doug. I know yeah. Doug. Well, Doug was Doug was excellent. Yeah. Doug was a really good worker. You know, a, a different level worker to me. Um, I don't claim to be as good as he was, but yeah, he was one of the guys that I worked with quite a lot in XWF before he went to TNA was AJ Styles. Um, so I, I, knew, I knew him pretty well. But yeah, I, I've met. Met some interesting people, I guess. I, I, I've kind of, I didn't realize how well they'd done until I've, I've, like, I know AJ Styles did really well with TNA mm-hmm. afterwards, and I know Samoa Joe did got really popular. And it's like, damn, I know that I knew those guys when they were coming up, you know. Do you know of a guy called Kid Cash? Well, it's funny, yeah, we were we were due to have Kid Cash on here, um, but we we sort of, um, uh, so our, our, our uh, schedule sort of, but I still need to ring him. Um, yeah, I still need to well, get well, on to well, him. Well, well, mention me to him when you speak to him because we travel together a lot and uh, we used to have a hell of a laugh. 
he, he thought he thought I was hilarious because I was very blunt with people. There was a guy called Hale, Emery Hale. And yeah, when I guy, first yeah. moved over here, you remember him? He's, he's, he's passed away now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the univer- the first, at the XWF Universal tapings, they'd done some video of me pausing with like um, a light behind me. So all you could see was the black outline of my body. And Jimmy Hart, this is before Jimmy uh, managed me, used my images for his intro to oh, make wow. out it was him. And I, I went fucking ballistic. I lost my rag. I went up to Jimmy Hart and I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? I said, I don't give a shit what you are in wrestling. I, I trained years to build that physique. Don't you ever try and use my image to promote another wrestler. Don't ever do it. And uh, I thought that was going to get me fired, but it didn't. I, it, it, Emery actually ended up passing away because he was a, he was a, he was a nutcase. Um, but the reason I bring him up is because when we were... He was a big dude, was Emery. He was a big, big man. And he got real clever with me one day at the Steve Kearns wrestling school. So I, I got in his face and told him I was going to smash his face in. And I called him Rat Face and all this shit. So every time we, we travelled together, um, Dave Cash would be laughing his balls off because I'd be saying, shut your face, Rat Face. <laughs> and uh, I shouldn't talk bad about him because he's not with us anymore. But that, that's what I remember. I, I just remember Kid Cash laughing his head off at me because he thought, I was very blonde. Typical English, right? That's what we do. But that's why I think as well, it was probably a lot of things that sort of em- emaciated you with the boys. It was, it's that British sort of, we don't really give a shit. That's why. We, no, exactly. You know, Americans love it when they come on here because they're like, you guys are sort of so blunt. It's like, no, it's just how we're brought up. We just sort of yeah, say it how it is sort of thing. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're yeah. not used to being sort of told how it is and like you either like it or you lump it you know what i mean it's it is how yeah, it is. i think they're kind of brought up to be politically correct and we're brought up to be politically incorrect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just how we are isn't it that's, that's what right. we do we, we, we say how it is and it, it shocks a lot of americans actually when you start talking and you you, you say what you mean to the face the, the like the, the, they just can't handle it sometimes but I, I yeah that's probably why i did that's probably a big reason why i got respect off the older guys like roddy yeah. piper and, and hawk and animal and you know I, yeah i, I uh yeah it, it was cool man it's a good time in my life very good time in my life nothing but fond memories about it how how was it working with uh buff bagwell it was good yeah it was <laughs> good we, we did a we did a tag team me and kurt henning against buff bagwell and vampira that's right um, yeah and uh, Ian Vampiro, super nice guy. Um, and he, he, I remember speaking to him about the match before we went out, and he was like, um, I, I had a, a gimmick where I had to clothesline him, and I had to lift him up in a strangle and just slam him. He said, be violent with me. I said, what do you mean? He said, don't, don't be soft with me. Be violent with me. I'm like, all right. It, 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 but it was, it was gave. Now, Buff Bagwell was the opposite. If you were stiff with him, he wouldn't have worked with you. Yeah. So, so I, I, I had to be stiff with, with Ian Vampiro and I had to be um, light as a feather with Buff Bagwell. Because, um, <laughs> you, you know, when I first moved over here, you, you, you know the wrestler's handshake, right? That's yeah. right, yeah. Right, yeah. so yeah, like I, I, I forget it sometimes. And, and I was a big guy, so I'd shake their hand and they'd be like, I outwork them. <laughs> <laughs> so... It was, but no, Buff Bagwell's a good guy. Good guy, again. Um, 
Bobby the Brain Heenan was our manager for, and then Sable, Brock Lesnar's oh, yeah. wife, she was she was in that yeah. promotion too. I mean, one of my favourite people and one of JB's favourite people in all of wrestling is Bobby the Brain Heenan. So yeah. we, we wanted to ask you sort of, what's Bobby like in real life, sort of, you know, behind the scenes and that? Is he sort of sim similar kind of guy? Very, very. One of the boys, don't think he's above anybody else. One of the boys, um, very laid back. He was very welcoming to me. You know, it was... They all were really. There was only a few that I didn't really like, um, but most of them were very welcome to me. And Bobby the Brain, because I got on well with Kurt, I got on well with Bobby. Right. You know, it was just it was just how it was. You know, I mean, the, the guy that really pushed me and got me all these opportunities in the states was uh, Bushwhacker Luke. I was oh. I was very close with Butch and Luke, but particularly Luke Bob Bryan. Um, still, I'm in touch with with Luke, he, but he got me all these opportunities. He got me in the XWF. He took me to Puerto Rico because he was right. part of the booking team in Puerto Rico. And it's uh, yeah, Luke. Luke taught me a lot. I remember going with Luke. I actually tagged with Luke. Me and me and Luke did the Bushwhackers gimmick against Tony Atlas. Um, who was the guy he wrestled with? I don't think it was Bam Bam Bigelow. It might have been. But I remember I did a dark match for WCW. In wow. Manchester, a Manchester arena, um, and if you actually if you look at that video, I'm on there with a guy uh, called Sarge, um, and he choke slams me through a table at the end of it. Great guy, he's dead now. Jerry is no more. Um, but I remember going there to do ECW. That, and that's where I met Ric Flair, and I want I want keen on him if I'm being honest with you. And right. then I I, I mean I, I might have caught him on a bad day, or he might have just been. You know, because they didn't know who I was, so giving me a cold shoulder and everything. But that's where I met uh, Kevin Nash and uh, Scott Steiner. And there was a bit of needle with me and him because I was a lot bigger than him. And, it, and he didn't like it. And I, from my upbringing, I always kind of kept myself covered up. But when you're in the wrestling, it's the opposite. You want to show it off. Right. So we were in the canteen and all, all my buddies, um, Drew and... Johnny South and Danny Collins, they all told me to take my jumper off and just have a T-shirt on. And when I did, Kevin Nash and Scott Steiner got up and walked out. That's when I met Goldberg. I was sat in the dressing room with Goldberg. Right. And, um, yeah, yeah. I had a really long, deep conversation with Goldberg, and he, he was cool. So I was nervous as hell. So I was doing this dark. It was, I think that was my first ever dark match. I borrowed somebody's boots and, and pants. I didn't even have anything. I didn't know I was doing one. They just... We went there to watch and hang out, and they just put me in, in the ring. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I remember talking with Goldberg, and he was like, "Don't be nervous." He said, "I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time." He said, I, "But I, I, I just show out and look aggressive." He said, "It, it get, gets, gets me by." He said, "Just do the same thing." So I did. Nice. <laughs> and a couple of them pictures that you sent us, and a few of the matches, you do look extremely aggressive, Ian. and it, <laughs> and it worked, mate. <laughs> uh, that's the business, isn't it? That's right. That's, that's what it's about. That's the business. Um, but yeah, yeah. I've, I've probably gone all over with you, haven't I? I'm giving you a real chronological. No, no. It, to be honest, no, it's we, fine. we love it. This is sort yeah. of how it descends on our podcast because we we sort of go off on little tangents because I heard you speak about Dave Taylor and Dave Taylor yeah. actually works for WWE and he has done yeah. for a long time backstage. They've got a lot of English guys who are the sort of the, the the managers for the matches. So they they sort of put together the sort of how the matches go. Um, well, and do you work... know why? 
because the English guys really know how to wrestle. They really know how to put the match together. And a lot right. of the Americans really don't know the business. They haven't come through the business. I mean, I, I actually, I'm glad you mentioned Dave Taylor again. I, I, I digressed. I didn't follow through with what we're talking about. No, it's all right. <laughs> I, I knew Sean, his uh, uh, nephew from England, because I did amateur wrestling with him. But Dave Taylor lives in Peachtree City in Atlanta. And so oh. does William Regal. And so did Chris Benoit. And so does Fit Finlay. So I used to go up there and and wrestle with them just to learn the business. So I, I used to go up there with uh, Chris Benoit, Dave Taylor, Fit Finlay, and Regal, and I used to just go. They had a they had a ring in like a little unit, and I'd I'd just go up there to try and learn the business. And I went up several times, and uh, I would I would I would stay I stayed at uh, Regal's house actually. So yeah, it was it was it was pretty pretty cool. That they were all very nice to me. They were all very welcoming to me. You know, the kind of they had my back because I was I was. I was an English lad, but not just that. I was from, I, I'd been brought up by all the guys they wrestled with in yeah. England. Like, you know, the, all, all those English guys used to go to Hanover every year. That's what, and that's where Tony St. Clair used to live. Uh, and I went there with all them and they, they, they always used to try and mess with me. They get me drunk before I go into, I don't drink, but they get me drunk before I went into a match and I had to wrestle drunk and just crazy, stupid, crazy shit, but um- fun. So, so in Germany, was that was Steve Wright over there as well? Not the year I went. No, I only did one Germany tour. Um, no, because Steve Wright, we had his, we had his son on. Um, so, because Steve Wright was an English guy who went to America, uh, who went to uh, Germany, and Alex Wright was his son who used to wrestle at WCW. Alex Wright, I know that name. Yeah. What year would Steve Wright have been wrestling? Do you know? Blimey, he was on World of Sport, mate. He's a bit older, he was, yeah. Oh no, yeah. so he, he, yeah, he'd be, he's kind of before my time in wrestling. So yeah, I think I, I think I know Alex. I think yeah. I do. I think I, I think I've come across him. Yeah. Um, Germany was interesting, very interesting. You know, I'd been to Germany a few times for, for guest posing when I was bodybuilding. Right. So I, I already knew that they had weird food, but then, uh, then I. <laughs> When I went for the Hanover thing, that was that was an eye opener, man. I mean, it really was. The 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 guy that I wrestled, Wolf Larson, I actually met him again recently. He came to what he came to one of my seminars here. He comes to Orlando a lot, and Herman the German, we <laughs> used to call him, and he, he Fit Finley knew him really well. Used to prank him all the time. Fit's a brilliant prank pranker, um, but he did his fire eating gig. So he'd come out and he'd, he'd, he'd do the fire-eating thing. But that shit's slipping. And the the, the, the ring had like a... It was almost like a, a canvas. So it had a bit of a sheen to it. So it was, it was like a frigging ice rink. And this particular match I had with him, I was already drunk from drinking Gluvine, which is like hot wine with rum in it or something. Um, so I remember running to link up with him and we both... Spread eagled and just, it just yeah, yeah. Some of some of the things I did, man. I, I, I sometimes question my sanity, but it was fun. It was fun. So, I mean, if you don't mind just switching it up a little bit, because like you say, you you know you you've lost a few guys that you know friends of yours in bodybuilding and wrestling, and yeah. that sort of you know the 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 emphasis on the physique and the, that sort of gym mentality and the sort of bigger is better sort of thing like yeah what, what would you say what why are the similarities between the wrestling and the bodybuilding like is it obviously because the guys are just in the gym together sort of thing because there is 
you know, that link, you had people like Lex Luger who were doing like bodybuilding, yourself who came from bodybuilding to do that. You know, there's a lot of guys that started sort of, you know, doing the bodybuilding and work their way into wrestling or sort of vice versa. I think honestly, like with me and probably most of the guys, there was a guy called Akin Albrecht who used to compete when I didn't. He went into the wrestling, but apparently he was terrible. <laughs> um, the You have the physique, so you you have the image. You know, I mean, like Ultimate Warrior, right? He, he was, he had a great physique, but he couldn't wrestle to save his life. Yeah. Um, he had a good gimmick, but if you listen to any of the guys that wrestled with him, he was awful. Mm. He was absolutely awful in the ring. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of bodybuilders saw wrestling as a second option if bodybuilding didn't work out. I retired from bodybuilding at quite a young age because I got sick of the politics. Now, I wasn't. I would never kiss anybody's ass. So I, I was never going to win because I would never conform. If they told me to sit down, I'd stand up. So I realized that wasn't going to happen for me. So I'm like, okay, what can I do now? And I knew Drew and I knew I knew all these guys and um, they just kind of talked me into having, having a go. And I would imagine most of the wrestlers, most of the bodybuilders that turned to wrestling were in a similar position to me. They were at the gym and the new wrestlers who trained at the gym yeah. So when when they when they finish with the bodybuilding, or they think that the sicker bodybuilding, they kind of drift into the wrestling, you know. So it's um... yeah. Is that the is it the judges that was political then? Was it always the federations or how, how was it? The, the, of... the, fe the federations were political, and they told the judges what to do. There was a lot of bribery going on. Right. Um, I found out since because I'm good friends with the guy that ran the whole thing, who I hated years ago, but I'm good friends with him now. So right. he told me a lot of things about. Like, for instance, when my first pro show, I had a sponsor um, that was supposed to sponsor the show. He didn't show up. He didn't pay the money. So I got placed sixth when I should have been third. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that kind of started off my career. And I still compete for about, I don't know, I did about six years, seven years as a pro bodybuilder. And I just, I got to the point where it's very hard on your body. It's very hard on your family. You're taking risks because you're doing things you know, you, you're doing performance-enhancing drugs because you have to. Yeah. Um, everybody's doing it. Um, yeah. And you can't compete in a level play, playing field if you don't. And um, I just decided it won't worth it. And I might as well go into wrestling because at least I knew wrestling was entertainment. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. You, you know it's not fair when you go into it. It just yeah. it's, it's entertainment. You, you, you're telling a story. Uh, so at least I knew what I was walking into with wrestling. So that's kind of, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. There really is. Um, but I think that the, the bodybuilders were crazy. The wrestlers took crazy to a whole nother level because they were doing the PEDs, but they were also doing all the painkillers and all the other shit. Right. And, and that's where, it, that's where, that's why I went to so many funerals in, in wrestling because these guys were doing pain pills, coke. I mean, you name it, they were doing it just, just to get, because you got to remember you're wrestling, you're getting beat up. You're getting in a car, you're driving yeah. to your next venue, you're doing it again. Night after night after night. It's not like one one on a weekend. You're doing it night, every night for a month. It's, I mean, it's, did, it's, did you do any sort of like powerlifting or anything like that? Or did you ever think about doing sort of world's strongest man or anything like that? Like, no, I, I didn't. a different Ed, world. One of my good friends, Eddie Elwood, who runs the NABA Federation, he did world's strongest man. Right. Um, and he did very well in it. Um, and the guy that actually got second to me when I turned pro, and he also got second the year before, a guy called Gary Taylor, 
he won the world's strongest man. Yeah, and I like um, Gary Taylor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was a prison guard in Wales. Um, strong man, really strong man. But no, I never really I never really wanted to do strongest man. I don't know why. I just didn't really appeal to me. I I knew I was gonna get injured with it. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I'd finished my bodybuilding career in, in 1998, which is when my last show was, um, I, it just, everything seemed right to wrestle to me because I knew so many people are doing it. And honestly, I, I, I always went back to World of Sports and that one, um, that one big event I saw um, with the uh, bull, British Bulldogs in. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a go at that. Give it a whirl, you know. And, and, and I'd also seen there was a good friend of mine called Gary Fellows who lived in Stafford and he'd professional wrestled for a while. I remember going to a gym with him and watching them all do it. And I remember thinking then, you know, I could probably do this. I could probably have a go at this. So it, the, the, it's just whatever happens in your life kind of guides you into doing certain things, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. true. Was was there any ever any chance of working a match with Hulk Hogan? No, because I want a big enough name. Hulk Hogan would only work with certain people. Um, he he was always very nice to me, and you know I, I remember going to the same chiropractor as him, and it was an originally an English guy, and so I'd be sat on a table next to him while he was getting his back worked, and I'd be getting my knees worked on. Um, so I know him, and he was very complimentary of me. But that those older guys uh, would only work with the guys the new could work. So. Hulk could work with uh, Kurt Hennig or he'd work with Ric Flair or he'd work with Roddy Piper, but he wouldn't work with somebody who they didn't know the full track record. And, right. and the thing is, because of the way I looked, because I come from England, you automatically get this image, which is not always true, that you're, 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 you'll shoot on them and you'll hurt them. Yeah. Um, and and I, I mean, I would never have done that, but that's what they, you know, they, they portrayed me as being uh, a little bit green, and maybe a little bit too strong and too stiff, so they wouldn't right. want to work with me. Is it um when you came out in XWF? Was that the British Bulldogs music that you were coming out to? Do you know? Did they ever say? No, I don't know. It was like an English theme on it. It was like a uh, like a God Save the Queen on it. Something. It was the Land yeah. of Open Glory. No, land, it was land of, of Open, open glory. glory. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did, is that what I used no, to? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was not Land of Open Glory. Was it? It was the other one. Um, yeah, that one. All oh, right, that is that where you came out to? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was brilliant. I never met him, I never, I never met David Boy. Um, but I did, I did meet um, Dynamite, I did meet Tommy Wellington. Um, Drew actually took me over to his house in Wigan, and it was probably two or three years before he passed. And I walked into his living room, and he was in a wheelchair, and he had um, is it a catheter you call it, where you it's like yeah. a pee bag. Yeah. And I walked, I walked into the, I walked in and he sat there. He grabbed his pee bag and he threw it at me. He said, I'll fight you, you big fucker. Yeah. Just, just a, yeah, just a character, just a nutcase. But I, again, I liked him. I had no respect for him. I mean, I kind of watched a lot of his stuff and I wanted to be like him, but I was six foot tall and 300 pounds. So I really couldn't wrestle like him. Right. But that's why, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I, I was always kind of hardcore and wanted to do the old school stuff, you know. But it was pretty cool. Some of the venues I wrestled at, um, Tommy Billington had wrestled with all the guys that I knew. So he'd been on the road with them for years before he got into WWE. And I remember doing um, a, a little venue, I think it was in Colm. And the, the, it was a really small venue. And the balcony was quite close to the stage because we used to set the ring up on the stage then. 
And they told me that he'd got he'd got out of the ring, walked up to the balcony and done a flying headbutt off the balcony into the ring. And, I, and, and, and as soon as they told me, I wanted to try it, but there was no way I'd have done it. There was no oh, way. I'd have missed the ring. <laughs> you get up there and you have a look over and you ah, fuck that. <laughs> I, I did. I, I did get up there and look over. I'm like, how the fuck did he do that? <laughs> but yeah, just. It, but it's cool when you you kind of relive in history when you go to these venues and you you're with the people that were there when he did it, and someone who's such an icon in in wrestling, and uh, you hear of what he did at that same venue that you're working at. It's cool. It is cool. It's a um, piece of history, really, isn't it? I mean, so, I've, yeah. you're almost like wrestling's sort of best kept secret, Ian. I think, like, yeah. it must be, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's mad because I think if Been situations, everywhere. yeah, like you knew everyone. You were, you were, you were in the position where you know it. It's it's incredible that it sort of didn't happen, and it's almost like, you know, I mean, obviously, like you say, you've been lucky. You you look on the sort of, on on the side of it where you give it a go. You had a good time doing it. You found yeah, you, you you're doing other stuff where you're able to make a good living and sort of you know enjoy your life and all that kind of thing, which is fucking incredible because a lot of the guys in wrestling or who have been in wrestling, sort of don't ever do that. They always sort of I end know, up it's sad. It, it, the same the ground, with bodybuilders, you know? though. You know, a lot of the bodybuilders, when they finish their career, they've got nothing. And a lot of the wrestlers, I don't know what, I don't know. I think a lot of the wrestlers, when they're earning big money, they don't think it's ever going to end. So they don't plan for the future. Um, it's a shame because they really are great guys, a lot of them. You know, another guy that I wrestled with, um, Steve Kearns, Gangrel. Dave. So we've yeah. tried to get we've tried to get Dave on as well a few times. He's very elusive. He's a very he, elusive. he is. In fact, he's got a copy of my uh, governor book, Lenny McLean's life story. I lent him it. He never gave me it back. <laughs> <laughs> We're calling you out, Gangrel. You've got your book, mate. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, no. I, I did. I met a lot. I, I had a great run. Really, I met a lot of great people, and it didn't happen for me, but. I didn't want to hang around in it because I'd seen so many deaths. I'd seen so much death in bodybuilding. Then I saw so much death in wrestling. I just didn't want to be the next one. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want that to, to happen to me. So that's kind of why I moved on to the next part of my life. So what I was going to say, you got another question, but I was going to yeah. ask you about sort of what you're doing now. And, and you know, well, I am um, right now I'm, I'm running a bodybuilding federation called the PCA, uh, Physical Culture Association. It's actually started in England. Uh, the guy that started is a guy called Ryan Alexander, and he's based in um, Wolverhampton, where Wolverhampton, Birmingham. It's kind of centralized there. Right. And uh, I started, I got involved with it in 2017. In fact, funny story in 2016, Eddie Robinson, who was in WBF, contacted me, wanted me to get involved in the NABA Federation, in the, the NABA US. And NABA's the federation that I grew up in. I came through and won the NABA Junior Mr. Britain and Junior Mr. Universe. I, I kind of dominated the NABA scene as a junior. Um, so I decided to go over there. So I came to Birmingham in 2016 because Eddie Robinson didn't end up going because a guy I know threatened him on the phone with, that they were going to beat smash his face in. So he decided not to go. So he, he sent me instead. And he's like, be careful, be careful, watch your back. I'm like, I know him all, I ain't scared of him, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> it was a typical pub call, you know, when they're in the toilet at a pub and they're pissed up and they're telling someone they're going to smash the face in, one of those. 
But anyway, I uh, I went to England, um, and that's when I came across PCA. Uh, saw what they were doing, sat and kind of watched them for a year or so, and they were growing rapidly. So I called Ryan up and I said, if, if you do anything in America, I'd love to be involved in any way. So he called me back and he said, I'd like you to run the federation in the whole of the US. And I'm like, what? So what what's, the difference, what's the difference between PCA and any other sort of federations? Because from what I can read about it, that they put the emphasis on sort of looking after the guys and girls, the athletes themselves, you know, in a, in a different way. So sort of, what what's the difference, you know, how with how they treat the guys and girls? The the main difference is, I mean, I I told you I retired from bodybuilding because it was very political. Um, that's why PCA was started to not be political. So right. what we do, we don't we don't give people um, first place because they're no one of the judges, or because they've got a famous coach, or because they've got a million followers on Instagram, or because they've got sponsored by a big company. We judge what we see on the day. Right. One of the main differences, they charge a lot less than any other federation. So it's a lot more affordable for athletes to compete. And and, and that appealed to me because I'm not really a money guy. But I think, you know, most wrestlers and bodybuilders are working class people. They're not rich men. You know, it, it's a working class sport. Both of, it, both of them are working class. And um, I, I just, I love bodybuilding. That's kind of what got me into, well, that's kind of what interested me at, at a young age, you know. Um, and I love the sport, and I decided um, that if I were going to be involved with anything, it had to be a lot different to what was out there already. And when I saw what PCA was doing, charging the athletes a lot less, making it a lot more affordable for the athletes, making it fair. So if you're the best on the day, you win, whether it's your first show or your last show, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whereas all the other federations, they're very expensive now. I mean, an athlete over here typically pays two or three grand to compete. With us, you're paying about, Hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! I mean, it's a massive difference, you know. Yeah. And everything we do is really first class. The trophies, the medals are first class. The photography we do is first class. The stage is first class. Everything we do is a it's a really good production. Um, I guess we're either that or a staff promoting wrestling events, eh? <laughs> Mate, you lose don't. And I know you're a Yorkshireman. I know you saved your money, right? So Absolutely, you I did. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to waste your money on on being a wrestling promoter, and you're like you you probably know as well as anybody that that sort uh, of can be a bottomless pit of 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 money. You know. Yeah, um, it's you know it, you are sort of wrestling's best kept secret. You were, you know, it, on 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 any given day, it, you could have been sort of. Pushed yeah, if it, it was, it, you know, it, it could have happened, it just didn't. And I'm not, you know, the thing is, though, I'm not bitter about it. I'm not, oh, why didn't I get the push? Why didn't I get a break? I'm yeah. just grateful for the people I met. Mm. I'm just happy. I, you know, I saw it, I saw a glimpse of a business that most people never see. I'm privy to, you know, I mean, you've got the like the, the, the wrestling lingo, the carny that we used to use, and it's yeah. just. So some really good memories. I mean, it's, I've got a lot of tales I can tell people. It's it's fun. It's fun. Maybe you I, can and write a book. Amazingly talented and amazingly interesting people. Yeah, that's. I mean, we we are sort of we we had to get you on. It was Jordan that actually said, "Mate, try and get try and get hold of Ian Harrison," because we we watched the show and we were like, "Bloody hell, he's massive." What is it like? And, and you could work as well. It weren't even it weren't even sort of like you were one of them one trick ponies who was you was just a big lad 
and you looked mean. It was like, no, you can work. You know what you're doing in there. Um, yeah. And it was Jordan. And he was just like, yeah, try and get hold of Ian. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. I'm really pleased you did, mate. I mean, it's, it brings back a lot of memories. Not many people ask me to talk about wrestling because most people know me as a bodybuilder because um, I was, I guess I reached a higher level in bodybuilding than I did in wrestling, you know? Sure. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's, I, I, the both, I think of them both very fondly because I had a lot of really good times. And like I say, you know, I travelled and I travelled with a lot of amazing people, the, the, the Road Warriors, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Hart, Greg Valentine was a good friend of mine. Me and my wife used to go out to Greg Valentine's house. They had a pot-bellied pig, a pet pot-bellied pig. And uh, my wife were very good friends with his wife and Hawk's wife. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I remember sitting on the beach with Hawk and uh, Animal came over. And then the manager, I forgot, Paul Ellery came over. So me, Paul Ellery, Hawk and Animal were all sat on his beach. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. The first, when I first moved to, to uh, Florida, no, actually, I wasn't even, we were living in California. And I flew to Tampa to stay with Luke to try and get some wrestling work. And Luke lived on a, in an apartment complex. He was on the third floor, right on the beach, a place called Indian Rocks Beach. And there was a swimming pool right below his balcony. Um, Hawk lived in the apartment just above our next door. I'm not can't remember. He walked in and he came to the balcony. First time I ever met him. And we just got along like this from day one. But he came. And he starts pointing up at the planes and he says, see that? The chem clouds. They're trying to poison us. And at the time, I thought it was a lunatic. You know what I mean? I thought it was a couple of... Anyway, he's, drink, he's, he's knocking back whiskey because he was wild. The middle of the day, he's knocking back whiskey. He gets five somers. If you know what a somer is, you know what somers are, yeah. right? Five somers. Chucked him in his mouth, chomped him down, knocked him back with a bottle of whiskey, stood on the balcony and jumped off into the pool. Came back oh, up, gave me a hug and said, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, just... Just an absolute nutcase, but a, a real. I met some amazing people. I really did, and it was, it was. I when we went to Vegas to promote uh, XWF, we were in the booth right next to WWE, and obviously a lot of the, a lot of like um, Road Warriors they hated them because they had bad experience with them. They got fucked by them at some right. point. Yeah. So I roomed. I, I shared the room with Hawk, and um, he wanted to go out. The, 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 I think we were there three nights. We want to go out. And I, I would like his conscience. I'd try and keep him calm, you know, because he was a nutcase. <laughs> uh, anyway, one night he, he wanted to he wanted to go out. And I'm like, no, oh, you're not going out. Just fucking stay in here with me. We'll just watch Teller. Um, anyway, he, he starts getting all this stuff on. He's going to go out. He's got his bandana on and everything. So I grabbed him and I wrestled him and I threw him on bed. And as I dropped, as, as, as we both went onto bed, he shit himself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so he had to clean. He had to, to get a brand new pair of trousers. End up going out that night. He didn't come as I was going out to breakfast. He was walking back in, and he had wax all over him. Like someone had been dripping wax all over him. He had wax, but unbeknown to me, he'd borrowed Roddy Piper's leather jacket, and he lost it that night. He lost the jacket. So Roddy Piper was pissed because that was Roddy Piper's gimmick. I mean, yeah. he had that leather jacket everywhere he went. And um, Hawk had borrowed it, gone out and lost it. He had no idea where he'd been. He had no idea where it was. So I'm coming down for breakfast and he's walking in. So I didn't get breakfast. I ended up walking him back up to the room and trying to babysit him all day. And that picture I sent you was the day after that. Wow. 
So if you if you look at Hawk's tongue, you'll see it's like white, and like he he was out of his mind the whole day. I mean, we had to like <laughs> proper babysit him. So me and Hacksaw were literally holding him up. <laughs> Mate, that fucking is fucking mad. Yeah, I mean, he still looks a bit pissed in that picture there, Ian. Like, he still looks like... He was. He was. He was out of his mind. He was absolutely out of his mind. But what a, what a wonderful man. Quick, another quick one. When we first moved there, and I, and I got to know Hawk really well, Mike Hegstrand, he, um, the first year we were there, I didn't have any money. Literally, we had an apartment. I didn't, I, I didn't have a pot to piss in. And I, I had, my daughter was eight, my son was one. Um... So he, he lent me $400 to buy my kids Christmas presents. About six months later, I got into money. I, I got a contract with SWF and I started earning some money and I was doing other things. I was bouncing at a strip club um, and I was uh, personal training people. And I went to give him his money back and he would never take it back off me. He would never, he would never take it back off me. And it, it was just... It, 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 I fell up thinking about him now because I miss him. He was such a nice man. It was it was a crazy bastard, but it was such a fucking nice man. Um, one of the best friends I've ever had. I miss him. I really do. I miss him. Man, you know, yeah. we 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 appreciate you, you know, talking with us about it as well, because you know, obviously, like you say, you've you've been there, you've seen it, and you know, you've got these um experiences with these guys that you know, it some people, you know, have you know, like you say, they have sort of they're a bit sour if they have if they didn't make it in in, in wrestling. Yeah. But with you, it's sort of we can see it's sort of you know very fond and 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 happy memories, which is which is good, man. No, it really is. You know, I, I, I think I, I nearly died two and a half years ago. I had open heart surgery. I I had like fifteen heart attacks over three weeks, and then I had two oh, heart yeah. attacks on the operating table. I had six bypasses. So it, that changed my viewpoint of a lot of things, you know. So I'm just I'm just happy to be here. Um, but even before that happened, um, I, I think you've got to be happy for what you've got, not pissed off for what you don't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it, it, everybody can be bitter. Why didn't I get this? Why didn't I get that? But rather than be pissed off about what you didn't get, just be happy for what you did get and the experience. I mean, life's all about memories, isn't it? You can't take the money with you. No. You can't, you can't, you, you can't take right. it with you. The, the fancy car, the big house, when you die, someone else is going to get it. You're not, you can't take it with you. So it's all about making memories, and I've been lucky enough to make some really brilliant memories. And that's why I'm glad you got me on, because it, it brings back a lot of those memories for me. And I, Nobody ever asked me about wrestling, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I've got, I've got one more question for you, Ian. Yes. Did you ever meet Vince? Because yes. Vince, Vince would have, I'm almost certain Vince would have been giddy and salivating, looking at your physique, going, you know, there's my champion. I think he was, but like I said earlier, it's right at the same time Brock Lesnar came in. Um, and Brock Lesnar was 10 years younger than me. And and, it, and he'd also, he had a really big um, amateur wrestling career in college. Yeah. And in America, college wrestling is huge. Yeah. It's massive. It's not like, we don't have wrestling in England, really. You know, it's uh, if you do it, you do it off your own back. But it's like, a, it's like high school football, uh, wrestling, um, high school basketball that there you're like your main alpha male things in in American schools and American colleges so it because it's an American based firm I think you know he probably did think about me but he also probably thought if he can't push Brock Lesnar and push me at the same time because we're similar very similar looks very similar gimmick um and that's probably why 
I would have put you in a tag team, mate. It makes sense. Well, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Do you know but what I mean? Know, you never know who they're trying to push at the time. You, yeah. you just don't. You know, yeah. I'm not, I've, I've got another story for you. Another little it. story before Love you it. go. Um, <laughs> Bushwhacker Luke, when I first moved to Florida, he knew um, The Rock's father really well. And he took me down to Miami, Dade County, and I met with The Rock's father. I forgot what's his name. Rocky Rocky Johnson, right? Yeah, Rocky yeah. Johnson. Yeah. yeah. I went down and went to his went to his um his, his wrestling school and he he was doing a thing on BET, which is black entertainment television, and Vince was funding it. So he was doing his own wrestling gig and Vince McMahon was funding it. And he wanted to bring me in as the main heel. So I was gonna be the main heel for Rocky Johnson. And it all turned out that something happened, a lot of the money went missing, and it never happened. But when I went down there, I met a guy called Benjamin something, um, a black lad, and he did really well in WWE Shelton, Shelton Benjamin. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I met him there. Um, and, I, and I saw that he'd done really well. I'm like, oh, I met him when he went down there. He, he was really good. I think I got him ring with him, actually. But, yeah, it's just little things like that. You know what I mean? It was just a, a one-day trip down there, sat in front of him. He showed me some video of other people who were going to use, which I ended up meeting and getting good friends with. Um, but one of my good friends, a guy called Kevin Donofrio, he actually wrestled for XWF. He wrestled as Cyborg, like a jerk. Oh no, he wrestled as Dresden. Dresden, yes, yes, he wrestled Dresden. Dresden. Yeah, and Kevin owned the gym. He was a very good businessman, big, big boy, really big man, and a great amateur wrestler. He was actually a world champion Greco-Roman wrestler in right. his forties. So he, he was, he was a tough dude. And we used to shoot on each other quite a lot, but because of my judo background, he could never do anything with me. And I was just as strong as him, even though I wasn't quite as big as him. Um, but he, unfortunately, he got the uh, that brain, brain disease, that D, I can't remember, CTE or something. CTE, yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, he committed suicide last year, Blind. unfortunately. But he, he, he was actually doing my comparing and my bodybuilding shows. So we, we stayed in touch for years. Oh, but yeah, wow. he just, it's funny how life kind of intertwines. You know what I mean? <laughs> Incredible. I, I've been around a lot of really good people where I've been in rooms with several people, and I'm the only one still alive out of all of them, which is um, sad, mind blowing, really. But yeah. life's short, you know. Life's a it, fragile thing. It really is, um, Chris. Unless you've got any more questions, mate. Mate, I'm just. Like I, I mean, say, we could I'm do just, this all night, of course. We could, honestly. We're, we're <laughs> if free. you ever want me on again, I'm more than happy to talk. You know, I'm amazing, mate. To... I mean, hey, maybe yeah, what we do. We we sort of um be a bit more sort of specific with the questions uh, maybe next time, but it's been a fantastic blast in, through the past with you, mate. And we always love having English guys on as well because you know we've got that bit more of a. I mean, not that we don't have the rapport with the American guys, but you know it's just great to 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 see an Englishman that's done well in America and you know had a good time at it and just you know. Fantastic stuff, mate. You know, because we're we're all sitting here just having a cup of tea and having a chat about wrestling, which exactly, is just yeah, fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, brilliant. I, I, I'm sure you didn't realize I was going to take you off on so many tangents, so I apologize for that. No, honestly, that's how we no, operate. Yeah, that's literally. how we operate. Yeah. We just literally allow people to go wherever they want to go. And again, Ian, it's been just absolutely fantastic. We'll be happy to have you on again. So, one last question I was going to ask you, right? I yep. know there's still that wrestling influence in you because when I looked at your next show, it's called Valhalla in Vermont. Now that is a pay-per-view <laughs> name if ever yeah. I've heard one. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you, you can't get it out of you, really, can you? It's kind of ingrained in you. It's just it's who we are. I guess we wouldn't do it if we didn't have that same mindset. So, yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny because many a time I'll come across, there's a guy, um, there's a girl that just competed with us and her, her husband was a, a pro wrestler in WWE. I can't remember what his gimmick was. But um, I saw him on Sunday, and it was, it brings back a lot of memories. Remember um, Earthquake and Tugboat? Yeah. Yeah. They used to train at the gym I used to work at uh, with Kevin, the Dresden guy. So I, I and um, who was it? Tatonka. Oh, T- yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tatonka was there. I didn't know, I didn't really know Tatonka. I, I met him a couple of times, but there was a Brian Blair. You remember Brian Blair? Brian Killer Blair, B, the yeah. Killer Bees. Yeah. yeah. And um, Marty Ginetti. He's another wild one, though, isn't he, Ian? Oh, Marty's crazy, yeah. Great guy, though. Marty was really cool with me because he was in XWF. That's right. And I, I used to talk a lot with him. And then uh, I also I, I remember wrestling Big Show. I wrestled Big Show at Steve Kern's place as he was getting ready for that big match he had with Brock Lesnar where the stage collapsed. Remember when the, the ring yes. collapsed? Oh, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. Right before that, I wrestled Big Show because he needed a big guy to figure out what what he was going to do. And Eddie Guerrero was there, so I knew Eddie Guerrero reasonably. In fact, when I did my dark match for WCW, I met Chavo Guerrero. Right. And I got to be really good friends with Chavo. He's a really nice guy. When I first moved to California, I went to like an outdoor flea market, like a, like a car boot sale type thing. Yeah. And he was there. Um, I, I, I just bumped into him. And uh, <laughs> I always kept in touch with Chavo. So then when I met Eddie, I, knew, I already knew Chavo. So... You know, Eddie came to the Steve Kearns wrestling school and, and worked with us for a bit, as did Roddy. And, um, and yeah, I went up for that big show thing. That's where I met um, Dave Gangrel. So, yeah, it's just uh, interesting. Incredible. Interesting to meet all these people. Definitely interesting. Thanks for having me on, guys. Wow. I appreciate it. Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, You're welcome, mate. We it would be stupid of us not to try and get you on again so i mean chris <laughs> uh, i mean you're gonna have to have to make the deal ain't you yeah no worries mate I, like i say i'll slide into your dms mate we'll have a chat and um like i say all we can do though is, at the moment is just thank you so much because you know you are sort of a hidden gem and uh, have you done <laughs> have you done any like wrestling podcast before is this sort of like the first one no no one no one's really asked me do i i kind of felt like i failed at wrestling if i'm being honest with you you know what I mean? I, but 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 it, I kind of walked away from it voluntarily. It's not like I got Absolutely. kicked out. I just. But it, it, no, I've never been really been on a wrestling podcast before. I've never. I don't really mingle in the wrestling circles anymore. So when you reach out to me, I'm like, oh, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It was a bit like when the French guys reached out to me last year about my Sega commercials because I didn't know anybody remembered them. But apparently, they've been trying to find me for thirty years. They didn't know who Incredible. I was. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? So yeah, what we're going to do for the teaser for this show, we have to find one of those commercials and we'll put it on Twitter and we'll be like, who are we interviewing next? And then we'll put that on there and it will just maybe jog some memories. Who knows? I'll send that video to you on YouTube and you'll be able to see everything. Do it, mate. Thank oh, you, nice Ian. One. Amazing. You. Incredible, right, guys. Mate. Cheers, buddy. Take care, Ian. Thank, Thank you. Nice one, mate. Ta-da. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mate. So there you have it. Wow. Uh, Ian Harrison, British Storm. What a guy! What's some amazing stories there, Chris? I, I don't know, man. Like, what else can we say, mate? We 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 have found a diamond there 
that people maybe have been overlooking for years or maybe i mean what who would have thunk it that we'd we'd review this and then jb would go literally i just got a dm from jb and it was like we need to get ian harrison on that was literally what you sent me wasn't it yeah it was like we need to get ian harrison on i was like mate boom i'm on it and it was like the 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 paths collided and this is why we love doing what we do in it jay because absolutely man the stars aligned for this one didn't they it really has because we get to speak to proper you know like say he's he's like a hidden gem in in the wrestling world the he's amount been of, everywhere he's been everywhere with everyone and sort of no one really knows apart from those who know and you know he's a man that could walk into probably any wrestling convention where they've got guys there doing signings and probably know half of the fuckers that are there. And yeah, they'll be the, like, the oh, wrestlers, the wrestlers be all over him and the fans would be very confused. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Ian would walk in there and be like knowing everyone and the fans would be like, Oh shit. Like who, who's this guy? But the boys, the boys yeah. would know, you know, and it is just our absolute pleasure. Again, we thank Ian wholeheartedly for yeah. sort of, given his time he's had a busy weekend he's got his family there you know and he's just chilling he's, he's like I say he's had a show this weekend um he's running the um the pcu um you know so or the pca sorry PCA, um, yeah. so you know he's a busy guy he's still working he's still putting in that work he's still in the bodybuilding world but like he said he, he never no one really asked him about wrestling um and I, but one thing I will ask him about, and I forgot to ask him about, and Ian, if you are watching this, maybe, you know, obviously we'll send you the link when this is out and hopefully he's watching it or whatever, but um, we'll get him on for a part two. But forgot to ask him about fishing because I know he's a huge... <laughs> <laughs> he's, in, he's into fishing. so And he lives in Florida, so he does a bit of that. So, yeah, I'll ask him about that. But, I mean, what a guy, JB, right? Yeah, that was uh, that was great. Um, we cannot thank Ian enough for coming on and being as as frank and as open, yeah, as he could about the the friendships and some of the wrestlers that didn't quite make it. And yeah, yeah that was uh, that was something. It's one of these. He, he is the hidden gem of the wrestling world. That wrestling's best kept secret. You yeah, know, the British it, it, Storm, Ian Harrison, and. If you want to to know who Ian is and see what he's doing and see what he's done, you can watch our review, the lost episodes of XWF. You can also see him on YouTube in the lost episodes of XWF. Yeah, we really he's hope you there. enjoyed the review of the uh, lost episodes of the XWF. And we really, really hope that you've enjoyed our chat with XWF superstar, Ian Harrison, British Storm, because... <laughs> For some reason, like we said, worlds collided, stars aligned, everything fell into place in this one. And yeah, you know, what a time. What a time. What a what an absolute fantastic yeah. episode that is. I'm looking forward to, to even listening back to this one myself because yeah, it should be you really know, good. What so, a what a top lad. What a top, top lad. Before we go, of course, we have to thank Surfshark VPN for sponsoring this episode. Click the link below for 83% off and three free months when you need your VPN renewing right. or fixing. You know, pretend you're in Bognor just like Chris says. Absolutely. If you're in America like Ian, but you want to watch fucking Coronation Street or whatever, bang yourself 
put your location in as Bogner Regis and uh, or Pudsey, where Ian's Pudsy, from. You know. <laughs> but Pudsey, man, you know, put yourself in there, and then you can watch all your British shows. Your computer thinks you're in, um, in England, and that is what the VPNs are. It also gives you protection. You got your virus protection, and we've got the deal for you. Click the link in the description and use the code Grapple, and you can get that deal. Eighty-three percent off in three free months. Oh hell yes! And for those that are watching, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done it. Give this video a like. Chuck us a comment. Tell us what you want us to ask Ian for next time. Yes. And if you are listening, of course, hit five stars. Give us that wonderful review that you do so well. I mean, what else can we say, Chris? It's you know, he's such a he's such a lovely bloke. He's even just messaged me now and just said it was a real pleasure talking with you guys. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you, Ian. <laughs> You're an absolute legend, man. Um, absolutely top bloke. Um. That's all we can say. We're just, you know, this is why we keep doing it. We keep putting in the work to to put on these shows for you guys. So then we we can all connectively speak with absolute legends like the British Storm, Ian Harrison, who has been there, done that, got the T-shirt and made Hawk from um, Legion of Doom shit himself. Um, so that is one of the only ways we could sign that off, Chris. So, <laughs> so without saying any more you can hear the music in the background it, it, the band is playing us off so from me jb the best chris in all of wrestling podcast next to me we thank ian british storm harrison for joining us we are going to go and hit the weights because we feel incredibly inadequate Absolutely. right now so <laughs> take care everyone we will see you soon peace